0: Oh, and welcome to episode number 201 of the Lions Podcast. My name is Matt Brown. Joined each and every week by Brad Allen, Stephen Anders. We run down each and every one of the games. And boys, we are down to just four games. We are down to just eight teams. And I guess my, my let's kick things off here. Brad, do you think that we got the best eight teams? Do you think the eight teams that are left were the best eight teams in football in retrospect. I know we were talking fairly highly of the Cowboys for at least a little while, but I think they proved kind of down the stretch
1: that maybe they weren't one of the eight best teams in the league. Uh, Yeah. I mean, I th- the Cowboys, I think they obviously got a bad matchup, right? They obviously got the 49ers who are, uh, who are a very 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 good team. Um I think they you know the, the Cowboys could have been a lot of a lot of other teams. I think they could have been Green Bay on their day. So they had a huge upside but we talked about you know the coaching was bad, some of the decision making was bad. Dak that was you know inaccurate sometimes this year. So I guess uh, they were they were going to lose at some point perhaps. Steven, what do you think? Best eight teams that we got
2: here when it's all said and done? Maybe not the best eight teams, but I think the best four teams in the NFC. I just think the NFC was a little stronger this year than the AFC. So maybe the Cowboys are better than a couple of the teams remaining in the AFC. Uh, but for the most part, yeah, I mean, we have the top four seeds remaining in the AFC. You have the 49ers upsetting the Cowboys on the NFC side. So I think you, have, you do have the top four teams in each conference at this point. And
0: unlike last week, we do not have any weather games this week. Nothing for us to worry about here, so that will help with the handicap for us as well. We don't have to sit there and try to guess about, you know, this weather, this wind, this rain, this whatever. It's 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 just uh, pretty straightforward. Yeah, it's going to be cold in a couple of places, but that's about it. So we're not having to, to factor that in to what we're talking about this week, which I think should help us as well. So as we get going, let's go ahead and kick things off here on Saturday. Cincinnati Bengals and the Tennessee Titans. The Titans are three and a half point home favorites over the Bengals. It is 47 and a half your total as we sit right now. From an injury standpoint, the Titans defensive lineman Tire Tart is questionable. As we sit here, reports are rolling in that they are going to activate Derrick Henry. We thought that was going to be the case anyway, but they are formally going to do it. On Friday morning. So, Derrick Henry should be back out there. Guys, I read out, I read up three different articles on this from three different doctors who were speaking on this injury. Apparently, the re injury percentage is a little bit over 33%. So, like a, you know, a a third chance or something like that. Um, apparently, he did meet the critical kind of 10 week mark of this where they, where, um, people in history historically have been able to at least come back and, and start going with their heavy athletic activity and stuff like that. So he did reach that 10 week mark before this game will be played. So that is working in his favor. One thing to point out is there is a, a rod and screws in his leg now in order to assist in this uh, to, to assist in this recovery. So that is something that we know is going on with him as well in all of this. So it will be very interesting to see if he gets that full workload for the Titans team, or if Dante Foreman and he kind of like split carries in this whole thing. I think a lot of people's handicap for this game if they were on the Titans, were was, you know, hey, Derrick Henry's coming back, let's go ahead and, and jump on this thing right now because Derrick Henry's going to be back against the Titans. Well, um, at least he will be back to what extent, we don't really know. Brad, I want to start with you because I know you're on the opposite side of this one as me and Steven, you are one of those guys that has backed the Titans. One, what do you expect out of Derrick Henry in this one? And two, what led you to uh, taking the Titans side here?
1: Um, I'm not expecting too much out of Derek Henry. Um, I, I, don't think it's a, it's, it's, I don't think it's a huge difference either way. You know, I think Deontay Foreman's proved he's, he's a very solid back. Maybe he's got slightly fewer explosive runs than Derek Henry, but he can, he can hit the hole. Um, why did I back the Titans? So one, I mean, the, the huge mismatch here is this defensive line, um, sixth in the NFL in getting pressure when just rushing four. Against a Bengals offensive line, thirtieth in pass block win rate with a backup right tackle. Now that the Bengals got away with it last week, right? Well, I kind of gave this handicap last week, Um, and then so the Bengals came into the game I think with a forty-eight percent win win rate in pass blocking on the season, and then they went out and they were seventy-plus percent against the Raiders. So to me, watching that game, the Raiders were gassed coming into it after that huge effort the week before against the Chargers, and they looked slow to me. So I think the Bengals got away with it last week. I don't think they're going to get away with it this week with a fresh defensive line. And if you can't block the four up front, then they, they just drop the seven into coverage. And you don't have those just easy one-on-one go balls, which is basically what the Bengals' offense is. Um, and then, obviously, offensively, Tyron's got the ball. You know, this is going to be... They've played about 40 snaps all season with AJ, AJ Brown, Julio Jones, Derek Henry, Ryan Tannehill, everyone going. Um, when Tannehill has had... AJ Brown and Julio in the lineup, fifty-three percent success rate, which is basically the best quarterback in the NFL. Um, he's number one in PFF grade on play action when they're, when they're both in the lineup. Um, and I don't I don't think the Bengals can stop the run here either um, because they they're missing Mike Daniels, they're missing Larry Ogunjobi at defensive tackle. The Titans offensive line is healthy, so to me, it's, they're going to be going at five yards a clip on the on the ground. The linebackers are going to have to start coming up to play the run, and then Tannehill will just do his play action stuff all day long in behind them. So. To me, it's a bit of a mismatch on both sides of the ball.
0: Yeah, being, uh, it, it's pretty interesting, though. If you do look, the, as far as pass rush win rate over the course of the season... The Tennessee Titans come in at twenty-first in the NFL. They're they're below the Seattle Seahawks. They're tied with the Jacksonville Jaguars. They're below the Houston Texans, uh, below the Jets, below the Bears when it comes to pass uh, to pass rush win rate. So I am actually not all that concerned to be perfectly honest with you about them uh, getting yeah, to.
1: Wrong. I'm sorry. I, I truly, to, truly believe that's just wrong. Like, yeah, I'm so confident they're going to destroy this offensive line.
0: Yeah, I, I'm actually not all that concerned with with them getting to uh, to, to getting burnt. one. I I they are very aware. I mean, Cincinnati's very aware. Not that I think Zach Taylor's the the sharpest coach out there because I because I don't. Um, but I think, I mean, they're very aware where the deficiency lies here. And and you saw last week they were they were getting the ball out quicker. They had they were scheming around what they knew to be a, a mismatch in the defensive line from the Raiders in their offensive line. And so I think that that's going to be A lot of the case here. That being said, the Bengals offensive line was 30th in the NFL in sacks allowed. Now, sometimes they say that that sacks are a product of the quarterback and not necessarily the offensive line. So I'm sure Burrow was trying to do too much somewhere along the way uh, with all of that. But if you look at these defenses, as far as the as far as the, you know, the fact that that they won't be able to stop the run or whatever. These two defenses are actually pretty identical when it comes to to numbers, like overall EPA per play. The Titans were 13th in the NFL. The Bengals were 14th in the NFL drop back EPA per play Titans defense, ninth overall in the NFL Bengals, 10th overall in the NFL rush EPA per play, the Titans defense, 13th Bengals defense, 14th. So there's not a big difference here in the two defenses as it is anyway. Um, in, in all this. So I think that the I think they're getting a little bit of a bad rap here in all this, Steven. I know you and I are both on the same side here, taking Cincinnati plus the three and a half. What led you to Cincinnati plus three and a half?
2: I just couldn't get to the number, quite frankly. I mean, Mo Noir, our senior writer, redid his power ratings coming into the postseason. He had these two teams separated by half a point. So to get to three and a half, to me, you are. Giving a lot for home field advantage. You have a lot of faith in this healthy Titans. Offense clicking on all cylinders when they've been fully assembled. And, you know, maybe some early week movement here with some doubts about Trey Hendrickson coming back. Ogan Joby did hit IR, I believe, so he's out. But it looks like Trey Hendrickson's gonna play in this game. So a little less concern there, but I, I just couldn't get to Yeah, he's fully he's fully clear. Yeah. So he's he's gonna go. So I, I just yeah. couldn't get to three and a half here. I don't disagree with the offensive line concerns with Cincinnati. For me, it was yeah. And, and I do think they probably got away with it last week. They're facing a similar defense this week in the fact that the the Titans don't blitz very much and they get a little less pressure than the Raiders do. So maybe it was fatigue, like Brad said, of playing an overtime game and then flying across uh, after a night game on Sunday. But I, I'm kind of looking big picture here to make this bet because... The biggest reason is the difference in the offensive production between these two teams. I mean, the league average for yards per play is 5.5. And since week eight, the Titans have had two games above that mark, a loss to the Patriots and a win over the Texans. So who cares about that game? Maybe it's different when they're healthier now, but I'm willing to pay to see it. I'm willing to pay to see that this offense can defeat What, in my opinion, is one of the elite quarterbacks in the league at this point, my biggest contention all season long with Cincinnati was that they were running the ball too much, especially on early downs. They even had some press conferences when they were spouting off some established the run bullshit, like in the middle of the year, in the second third of this year. So their three highest situation neutral pass rate games have been in the past three games. They have unleashed. Joe Burrow in this triad of receivers that they have. 12th overall in weighted offensive DVOA on the season against a number 21 DVOA defense in Tennessee. From week eight to week 17, we're going to take out week 18 because Burrow didn't play. So from week eight to week 17, the Bengals are top six in drop back EPA and success rate. From week 11 to 17 after their bye week, second in drop back EPA, seventh in success rate. Final two starts of the regular season. Number one in dropback EPA, top five in success rate. Those were games against the Ravens and the Kansas City Chiefs. This is an elite quarterback, guys. He led the league in yards per attempt. He was behind only Aaron Rodgers, the likely MVP, in passer rating. So given all those other peripheral concerns with the offensive line, maybe the defense as well, I'm not betting on the on the Cincinnati Bengals to win this game. I'm just betting on them to, to stay within the biggest key number of all at three and a half. So that's kind of where I'm at on this one. And uh, the only debate I would have is I couldn't figure out which bet I liked more after talking to Mo this week. The plus three and a half or maybe Cincinnati team total total over twenty one and a half. That was the only debate I had on which of those two I liked better.
0: Guys, I'm going to give you three numbers, three ten, three twenty two. And three hundred one. Do you know what those numbers, uh, the significance of those numbers are, Brad? Are they Joe Burrow passing yards? No, those would be three hundred yard pass games that the Titans have given up in the last six weeks to Mac Jones. To Jimmy Garoppolo and to Davis Mills, those are 300-yard passing games given up over the last six weeks by this Titans defense. To to those to Mac Jones, Jimmy Garoppolo, and Davis Mills, and now rolls Joe Burrow and company into to town here. I, I am I, I honestly believe this team is going to have some success through the air here um, a, against this team, and I think it's going to be a a, a lot tougher than people Sneaky think. Sneaky shootout for. The Sneaky. for the Titans to get, it. I honestly yeah. think that this could end up being the weirdest highest highest scoring game of the week. Yeah, yeah I, I I do. I think that this could be one of those games where the 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 play action gets back rocking and rolling for the Titans. They're able to hit some deep shots to AJ Brown, things like that, and then and then Burrow and company just kind of do what Burrow and company do. Just some st- some stats here if you are playing props or whatever. The Bengals' big playability in all of this. And again, if it comes down to, you know, highest scoring team or highest scoring game, or even if you just want to play straight player props, Cincinnati had 21 non red zone touchdowns this season. That was the most in the NFL. 11 of their 52 offensive touchdowns went to went for 40 or more yards. If that tells you anything, Jabbar Chase had seven touchdowns of 20 or more air yards the Titans allowed seven touchdowns of 20 or more air yards on the season. That's sixth most in the NFL. And here's just a fun fact. And this was just nothing more than a fun fact. Jamar chase had more 50 yard touchdowns. He had five of them than any other player had 25 yard touchdowns on the course of the season. So that's just the type of big playability this offense brings. That's the type of big playability that Jamar chase and Joe burrow bring to the table here. Um, Brad, what do you what do you think about uh, my thought that maybe this is kind of a sneaky shootout? That maybe this could be an under the radar game where the uh, where the offenses kind of go back and forth up the field.
1: Um, I would say if so, if we just look at the, the Bengal schedule quickly, right? They, Joe Burrow hasn't played a road game since December the nineteenth, where they scored fifteen at uh, the Broncos, um, and so we we know a road game is, is tougher on the offensive line because it's going to be loud. They're going to have to communicate you know, probably a silent count. Um, and I would also say, I think one of you, I think it was Stephen, gave those stats about, you know, going going nuts against the, the Ravens, who had just an entirely backup secondary, sure. and they like to blitz. And then the Chiefs, who also like to blitz, and they play one-on-one on the outside. And neither of those two can just win up front with four. And I, I would say, I, I guess the difference here is I... Um, I strongly believe that this Titans front four is going to go nuts. I'll I'll bet bet three of them to have sacks individually. Um, And I I suppose that's where we differ. And I I just think if if they have seven deep and they don't leave one-on-one on the outside, I'm I'm not sure we've actually seen the Bengals score a lot of points without that happening, without those big plays. Um, So I, I... yeah, I, I I don't think the Bengals are scoring points, so, so I, I, I'm not on on those uh, those high scoring games. we personally. we have
2: seen that in the stats, right? That they have. Very high EPA numbers, but lower success rate. So they're explosive, but they're not necessarily consistent on offense, the Bengals. So the the stats do definitely reflect that. You mentioned the, the sack props. Another one I liked was on the Bengals side with Tyler Boyd. His prop is sitting at four and a half right now for receptions. A lot of juice on the under. So you could even maybe wait till it gets to four and get back to normal juice. But this is a guy who's had five or six targets in every game since week 14. So you're to bet the over there. You have to have like an 80% catch rate to hit that. So I kind of like under four and a half juiced right now. Find the best juice. It's at BetMGM right now. And then if you don't like the juice, wait for it to get the four and bet the under there.
0: Yeah. The only other thing I would say about Jamar Chase receiving yards prop sitting right now at 76 and a half. Um, I think that there's, 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 Really, oh, there's two different game scripts where this gets home, and both of them go towards uh, each team, right? I mean, if if the Bengals are having a ton of success, it is most likely through the air with Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase. And then if they fall behind big in this game and have to completely abandon the run, then you're going to get Jamar Chase like getting balls, ball targeted his way a ton of times throughout the course of this game. The Titans allowed the second most receiving yards per game to wide receivers. So they actually cover the middle of the field to tight ends and running backs and stuff very pretty well. But wide receivers were where they were really giving it up over the course of the season look jamar chase was a reason that they're here in the first place they're certainly not going to and joe Joe burrow is certainly not going to think twice about feeding him the ball early and often in this game as well so i know 76 seems high for a rookie receiver in a a playoff game but it's over or pass for me on that one i'll probably actually have a little a, a little play on the over to be honest
1: how about one more prop here? Yeah. Uh, Mick, Mixon under 60-ish and a half. Yeah, um, I like that. He's, he's gone under that six mm. straight. Titans have got the uh, second best rush defense in the NFL by yards allowed. Mm. Um, and as uh, as you both said, they're going super pass heavy now that they're comfortable with Joe Burrow in recent games. So, um, you know, I think there's a lot of game scripts where um, where Mixon goes under. Yeah. And one of the more interesting things about these facts, guys,
0: and then we'll, we'll move on, is the the more success that they've had, the more pass happy they have actually become. So even when they get up in games, they continue to throw the ball. And so it's it's not one of those deals where like a Mike Zimmer situation where they get up in a game and then they turtle up and just start running the ball for two yards into the middle of the line. They over the last six weeks with the Beagles have, have been up in games, they've actually increased their pass rate as opposed to increase their rush rate. So I do like that a ton um, in that one as well, Brad. So because even if they have a, even if they are successful, it still should lead to more passes. And then, of course, we know if they're not successful, they're going to have to pass the ball.
2: Yeah, Matt, I will back. drive that point home. Their three highest situation neutral rates for passing have been their last three games for Joe Burrow. Absolutely right.
0: San Francisco 49ers at the Green Bay Packers. As we sit right now, mostly five and halfs in favor of the Packers out there. There is one six that has popped back up. That will likely become five and a half. Because what we have seen, guys, is this sits at five and a half. It hits six. People come in and scoop up the six, and it goes back down to five and a half. And the hit six, and it's people scoop it up, and it goes back down to five and a half. So it has pretty much lived at five and a half, except for those brief moments that it pops back up to six. A total of 47, 47 and a half in this game. Steven, you are on the 49ers. I think what we know here, the, the huge question is, is, in, is Nick Bosa going to get cleared by the independent neurologist to get back out there? Because, again, this is not an injury situation for him. It can't just be like, yeah, I feel good enough to go. This is a concussion situation. So he does have to get cleared by a doctor in order for him to go out there. Now, all signs point to him being able to play on Saturday, but it is one day shorter. It is a Saturday game instead of a Sunday. And the only other thing for me is that we've seen these guys that, like a couple of different times this year look really 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 on track to play and then for whatever reason not get out there so that's the that's at least minimally concerning if you are a 49ers backer in this game on the injury front for the Packers side of things they do get back Randall Cobb who's coming back from from core muscle surgery by the way these guys are superhuman these days it's just unbelievable he's core muscle surgery like six weeks ago and he's back already and then uh, that said though doubtful for this game is Marcus Valdez Scantling uh, for the them so get one receiver back lose another receiver in this game
2: Stephen floors to you sir 49ers well Brett Colson stepped in for me last week and talked about how he thought they were the the second best team in the NFC. You and Brett had yourselves a little little back and forth argument about who's going to cover this Mm -hmm. game in Slack this week. So with Brett not on the show, I thought I had to represent the 49ers side here. If you're watching on YouTube or if you're not watching on YouTube, I got the Colin Kaepernick jersey on to remind Mm -hmm. Matt of how often the 49ers have just dominated the Packers in the postseason over the years. From Terrell Owens in the catch two to Colin Kaepernick running ragged all over the field to Jimmy Garoppolo only throwing eight passes in the NFC Championship to dominate the Packers. So about this game, Matt, plus six was too many points for me. And I thought that line moved not necessarily because of sharp money, but because of injury speculation in the middle of the week. And now it's looking better. I am gambling a little bit that Bosa is going to clear the protocol, but he, had, he was a full participant in the last mm-hmm. official practice of the week this week. Fred Warner back to back full participants. Jimmy Garoppolo back to back full participant in practice. So I don't see why this line should ever be six if those injury concerns are taken care of. So I have this line more closer to the four that it opened at the game plan for me is obvious. right? I think we all kind of see it for the 49ers, a big advantage in the running game, the run efficiency. Hopefully shorten the game, tire the defense out, keep Aaron Rodgers sidelined, increase the variance in a one game sample size. They couldn't quite do it in the first meeting, but they also had to have Trey Sermon as their lead back in that game, not Eli Mitchell and Debo Samuel. And they only ran for three yards Mm -hmm. per carry. So totally different situation this time around. They were also minus two in the turnover margin. And despite that, they still only lost that game by two points earlier this year. So. to, to back you up here, Stephen, since week 10, the Niners have gone for
0: 130 or more yards on the ground in eight of their 10 games. So they are getting not just not, I mean, you know, they are not just getting production Elite. on the ground. They're getting a lot of production on the ground. So eight out of 10 games have gone for at least 130 or more. Um, the fifth overall in the season, the fifth ranked rush offense, DVOA, the eighth ranked EPA. Uh, rush offense overall and then if you look at the Packers rush defense that again piles on to kind of your point here 28th rush defense DVOA uh, the Packers over the course of the season 20th EPA per play and they allowed 5.6 yards per rush over their last three games to end and close out the season so there is certainly a mismatch there when it comes to the rush offense versus the rush defense
2: on top of that though Matt What I love most is what Brett said on the pod last week. The dirty little secret about this 49ers offense is that they are not one-dimensional. They, again, from week eight on after that monsoon game that they had against the Colts, in that stretch second in dropback EPA, seventh in dropback success rate. So you are rolling the dice every time you want to bet on Jimmy Garoppolo because he has those moments like he did at the end of the game last week where mm-hmm. he throws a bonehead pass. Maybe the thumb affected that a little bit. We've seen practice videos since he came back from the thumb situation where he's sailing balls. So you're you're gambling a little bit on that regard. But statistically, I can't get to six points in this game So I'm taking the Niners to cover it. I took four and a half on the Packers,
0: but I do think six is too much. Okay. So I think I can have both. I think I can hold both opinions, right? Like I, I, I took the four and a half, but I do think that six is too much in this one. I think one of the underrated things here, Brad, is, is actually just how efficient the Packers are in all aspects of their offensive game. Of course, we understand that Aaron Rodgers, Devontae Adams, pass connections, just absolutely absurd and unreal. But the, the, the run offense for the Packers is kind of under the radar good, Right They're the fifth in the NFL and EPA per play versus seven in the box. And they actually get seven in the box so often because you just can't go one on one with Devontae Adams because it spells so much trouble. So like when they get seven in the box, they're averaging four point seven, two yards per carry on the season and they see so few stacked boxes because of that Aaron Rodgers Devontae Adams thing that that is the, that's the look that they get the majority of the time. And so I understand, we understand that the path of least resistance here is to pass the ball against the 49ers. We understand that their intermittent to deep passing defense is one of the worst in the NFL. Devontae Adams is fourth overall in the NFL with 883 yards, on uh, on passes of ten or more yards down the field in air air yards down the field that is that is going to happen again in this thing that is going to be a, a focus point for this Packers offense. If you look, San Francisco, they allowed a 54% completion percentage, 12 yards per attempt, a 111.4 passer rating, and plus 8.6 CPOE on those ten or more yard ten or more air yard passes down the field. Yes, this is all. Those are all bottom five in the league, by the way that is going to be a part of this game. But I think people are overest- I mean, underestimating how successful that this Packers team can be on the ground as well, because people have to respect what Aaron Rodgers and, and Devontae Adams are able to do.
1: But I think if you're the 49ers, you want them to run the ball. 100%. Right? You, you'd, you'd much rather, you'd much rather Aaron Jones because you've also got 49ers, the best rush defense in the NFL over the second half of the season. Number one from weeks 10 to 17 in TVOA. Um, and I do think they can probably stop the run with a light box. You know, you're going to have Nick Bosa versus, well, probably Nick Bosa versus Billy Turner on the right side. You've got Arik Armstead on the interior. I, I don't think the Packers are just blowing them off the ball for 4.7 yards a carry, as, as you were just talking about there. Now, I, th- I think the the Valdez-Scantling loss is big as well because, you know, the again, the, the 49ers, they want to sit in their cover three zones and they, they don't really want to man up. But if they don't have to respect a deep threat, I mean, I assume they're going to send Lazard deep, but he, he's not the same deep threat that MVS is. Um, Rodgers' yards per attempt, it drops off by about a yard per attempt with MVS off the field this season. So if they can't run the ball, suddenly everything is compressed as well because they're, they're not respecting the deep threat. Um, you know, I'm, I'm starting to think that maybe the Green Bay aren't just going up and down the field as it seems like people are just suggesting the entire time. Um, now on the other side of the ball the game I cannot get out of my head is that is this Cleveland Browns Green Bay Packers game. Yeah um, me too. It was, it was, a, it, was a, it was a Saturday night I think or so where Nick Chubb they went for about 220 yards uh, 8 yards a carry and they just Baker Baker was playing with his banged up shoulder throwing an interception every six attempts but they just could not stop the run and I think the 49ers are just the better version of the Browns but they've also got this banged up quarterback so like, I, I really want to back 49ers plus six, but I'm slightly terrified that Jimmy G... Now, obviously, the, the thumb is bad enough, mm-hmm. minus whatever it is, it's going to be zero degrees, four degrees, something stupid. He hasn't played an NFL game in that temperature. You know, he's talking in the week, he's, he's used to that temperature from his college days. Mm-hmm. But, you know, that he, is, he is a San Francisco guy at the minute. So is he going to be comfortable with the banged up shoulder, the banged up thumb in that, in that temperature? And can the 49ers win the game just running the ball uh, you know, at minus two in turnovers as well, because Rogers isn't going to turn it over. It starts to get quite dicey. So I would definitely lean 49ers plus plus six, but there, you there is definitely games where Garoppolo throws three INTs and they lose by fifteen.
2: Matt, there is such uh, of,
1: there- of, of of yeah yeah. The, the of note though,
0: just with this this uh, the, the run defense stuff and everything. And again, I understand that it, there's it's you can't just assume instant uh, elite production or anything like that, but. Zadarius Smith back for the Packers in this game. Whitney Merciless back for the Packers in this game. Jair Alexander, which should help out in the uh, on the outside in covering, which would allow the the them to play a little bit more aggressive against the run as well. Uh, all going to be back on the defensive side of the ball for the Packers. Now, there's likely to be some sort of snap counts on these guys. They're not going to be in there every single down for this team, but that is three big reinforcements for the Packers defense uh g-
2: getting back in there for them. Matt would it shock anybody if this if the Niners won by a couple possessions here, if the Packers won by a couple possessions, if it was a close like this despite this game being the biggest spread of the weekend, I think this has such a wide range of outcomes and to echo Brad's point I think it revolves entirely around Jimmy Garoppolo. Like, would it not surprise would it surprise anybody if just like that Browns game against the Packers, the Niners rush for 200 yards and Jimmy G throws four picks like Baker Mayfield and they lose the game. So, it's everything revolves around that thumb in this game and if they can do enough running the ball so that Jimmy doesn't have to throw a lot and if he does have to throw Is he going to be sailing passes for picks? So that's that's a really hard thing to handicap. And like Brad, I am terrified because that is in the range of outcomes. But I also can't lay six with the Packers. If
0: you're a if you're a if you're a 49ers backer, you better hope James shows up (laughs) and not Jimmy. That's all I'm saying. Like you, you better hope James shows up and not Jimmy in this thing. One interesting fact that I did get that I did see over the course of the season. Now, look. Aaron Rodgers doesn't get pressured, you know, like he he doesn't feel pressure, and and getting Bakhtiari back this week as well should should only help in that situation. Like when he's not pressured, though, obviously he's just he's he's lights out, right? He's seventy over seventy five percent completion percentage, a one twenty two point six passer rating, but on those rare occasions where he is pressured and does feel pressure. His completion percentage drops in half, 36.1% completion percentage for Aaron Rodgers when he is pressured. So that is something to think about if Bosa can win and win often in this thing would be that that Aaron Rodgers while he doesn't get pressured very often, when he does he, I mean, literally falls off a cliff when it comes to completion percentage. So um, that is one other thing. And guys, just a prop real quick before we move on that I just wanted to get y'all's thoughts on this. Hasn't gotten in my account yet, but hey, we're talking through things here and uh, w- want to see what you think here for for the listeners and the viewers. So 40 and a half yards for AJ Dillon as a rush prop in this game. I'm, I am under the assumption that that the Packers are going to go with Aaron Jones in this game. They're going to go with the dude that they trust, the dude that Aaron Rodgers trusts, the guy that they have basically limited his workload all year long to make sure that he was healthy for the playoffs. And then further to even further the point, like we just said, the path of least resistance here against the 49ers is throwing the ball, not running the ball. So just
2: curious when you all saw it's like 40 and a half yards for A.J.
0: Dillon, given those kind of circumstances here.
2: I don't like it, Would because, you, because like Brad said, well, number one in rush defense and DVOA, but they're also number one in rush D EPA and success rate since week eight on. So they, they are legitimately the best run defense in the league over the second half of the season. And the games that AJ Dillon has gone over that number. I'm looking now we're pretty much against bottom half of the league rush defenses. Yeah. So I'm, I'm not big on that one myself.
0: Yeah, that's what I'm saying. No, I'm talking about the under. Oh, you like the way. under. Like, okay. Green, yeah, in it, that case, it, yeah. I'm yeah. I'm 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 saying I'm I'm saying that like wouldn't they go with Aaron Jones? Wouldn't and then and even if and they then do, the, I'm not sure
2: he's gonna have success. So yeah, I do like yeah. the under in that case. Brad, thoughts?
1: Yes, I suppose I would say, is he the, is he the cold weather back? Because True. Aaron Jones is about 180 pounds when dripping wet. And obviously AJ Dillon is like man Hulk. So, <laughs> I, I, you know, is, is he who they turn to as, as kind of a hammer right. if they do get a lead? I'm not sure one one on the other side I did bet Eli Mitchell and Debo both over their rushing yards um, you know it, basically if Eli Mitchell was healthy they give him 28 carries and mm-hmm. I'm, I'm thinking even if they get down 14 points here you know the, the shanny script goes awry the LaFleur Fleur script is great and they get down early they're, they're not giving this game to Jimmy G they're still going to hammer away I think yeah. because they can't even, even against the Cowboys in its second 11 they still run the ball because they can pick up chunk plays because they are so explosive um, and Debo he got 10 carries he got 3 targets last week so i i, I think he's, he's actually got quite a high drop rate this mm. season so again i think that's how he's going to be used as well there's no there's no preserving these guys it's hammer eli mitchell and debo samuel i think that's got to be the game plan here so i think you can you can bet them both over what
2: number did you get debo at out of curiosity i got 39 and a half okay. so yeah you you still like it even though it, we're we're seeing inflated numbers at this point and i don't disagree with you because the usage backs it up
0: Yeah, no, I yeah, I'm with it. Los Angeles Rams and the Tampa Bay Bucks, guys. This is sitting three. It is sat three pretty much most of the week. There are a couple of two and a halfs that are popping, but when the two and a halfs pop, it gets back to three. So it's kind of like the same thing we're talking about with the Niners and and Packers. It's anytime it hits one number, it gets bought up and it goes back to the other. So uh, look around if you do want the Bucks, a two and a half will pop. You'll have to pay a little bit of juice on it uh, before it gets back to three. So if you want the Rams three readily available as well. 48, 48 and a half is your total guys. This is what we talked about. Um, well, uh, Brad, this is what you and I talked about on the, on the pod last week. You know, a ceiling game from the Rams can look about as good as any team in the NFL and maybe look like the very best team in the NFL. We got a ceiling game from the Rams last week from every aspect from the defensive line keeping Kyler Murray completely uh, off his rocker back there to Stafford playing basically a perfect game to Odell Beckham showing up and being a weapon for them I mean Cam Akers looking like he never even had friggin a to- ruptured Achilles I mean I think the, the most ridiculous thing you, you've ever seen so you, you got that ceiling game the Bucks, we didn't have to really see much from them I mean that was a coast job from the very beginning we figured that that was going to be the case. I thought the Eagles might even get shut out at some point in that game. Um, Brad, look, it's, to me, it comes down to very simple and just full disclosure. I've got a Rams plus three ticket. I'll probably end up playing Rams money line as well. Tom Brady, the least pressured quarterback in the NFL over the course of the entire season, likely to be without at least Tristan Wirfs. And even if Jensen goes, he's going to be severely limited in there, two of your five starting offensive linemen either out or severely limited with this Rams defensive line coming to town. Um, I just think that that's going to be too much here for for Brady in this game, and uh, I like the Rams to win an ugly one. I don't think it's necessarily going to be anything that makes you feel super confident in the Rams moving forward. I just think that that defense wins more times than not against Brady, who again is without weapons, without Godwin, without Brown with uh, looks like it's going to be no Ronald Jones. Look like there's all different guy all kinds of different guys that are going to be out for them. So uh, that's my stance. Where do you see this uh, Rams bucks game?
1: Yes. Yeah, so I, I would agree with that point there that I don't see the Buccaneers scoring a lot of points. Um I mean, a yeah, a, a the offensive line against Aaron Donald, Von Miller, Leonard Floyd. Um, we we know well, you know the way to get to any quarterback pressure them mm-hmm. with four, um, and particularly if it's coming up the middle. If um, you know it, if uh, Jensen is injured against Aaron Donald, then and Brady's got Aaron Donald in his face immediately. That is, that's not going to go well for them, um, especially if you can then put Jalen Ramsey on Mike Evans. I think yep. they, the two games they've played, um, Evans has five five receptions for fifty two yards. So. If we, you know, if, if that comes out again, is it they're just going to pepper Gronk in the middle of the field because you know he, he threw a few times to Tyler Johnson last week. You know they had a couple of miscommunications. One one he did actually complete, but you know he stopped when he thought he would carry on, and that happened a couple of times. So you know we we spoke about this last week that Brady needs precision out as a receivers. He needs them to read the defense the same way as him and, and cut cut the way he expects them to, and they're they're not currently on the same page. So. You've te- you're probably taking away Evans, you're probably getting pressure in your face, so you are relying on these ancillary receivers, which which it doesn't look like you can rely on. Um, so the question is then the other side of the ball, what do we expect out of the Rams? Now, I think Andrew Whitworth is huge. Uh, yes, can't you can't know, go, yes for sure, for sure. Yeah, and... It, it, it does sound legitimately questionable. Um, if if he's out, I would back the under in the game. If he's in, I will back the Rams. Um, I would say the interior of the Rams offensive line, the, you know, they're they're these one of these outside zone teams where they like light inside. They like light like guards and light like centers mm-hmm. because they want to get across your face and, and just run side to side. Well, that's not ideal against Vita Vea and, and, and sue they, They're going to be giving up like 60 pounds on these guys. Uh, Jason Kelsey got mauled last week by Vita Vea a few times because he's just smaller than him. And there's there's not much you can do about that. Um, so, yeah, I would say if, if, if Whitworth goes, then, you know, I think they can move the ball a bit. But if he doesn't go, then there's mismatches all along that offensive line as well. And I think we could see quite a low scoring game. Um, so, yeah, obviously, th- these offensive line injuries are, are going to be key to how this game plays out.
0: Stephen, what we saw last week from Brady, when this offensive line kind of started to go to shambles, he threw... 28 times in under 2.5 seconds so basically he was just getting the ball and getting it out of his hands he only averaged 4.6 air yards per attempt last week and even with that even with throwing the ball 28 times under 2.5 seconds he still got sacked four times in that game against Philly And, and again in comes in comes the Rams here against an offensive line that again Jensen's going to be limited at best. If he goes, he he will not be hundred percent. I mean, this is going to be a, literally a game time decision with this guy. It does not look like Worse is going to go as it is anyway. And practiced all week long, and and he looked when he tried to come back in the game, he looked like uh he looked like a middle school offensive lineman out there. He couldn't move at all. There was a like they're they're not going to put him out there and put Brady in harm's way like that. So um. I I think it's pretty interesting that, yeah, Brady was able to dink, dunk, dink, dunk, dink, dunk down the field on the Eagles. I don't think that's as easy to do against the Rams. And then further, you're going to fail at some point doing that. And the Rams offense, I think, is obviously much better than the Eagles as well. So I, I think there's just a lot pointing towards the Rams in this one, but uh, but what say you?
2: I think we are all aligned here. When we first started looking at this game, our eyes immediately went to the trenches. And you guys mentioned the Bucks' offensive line issues, their center and their tackle. Who, even if they play, they're going to be nowhere near 100%. Here's the other thing if Worfs doesn't play, their backup tackle, Josh Wells, had back to back limited. Got hurt as well. He was back to back limited in practice with a quad. Mm -hmm. So he's not going to be 100% if Worfs can't go. So, and this is literally, excuse me, literally the worst matchup to have these issues with going into this week. The Rams Mm -hmm. are number one in the NFL in pass rush win rate, number one in the Mm -hmm. NFL. And run stop win rate. You could not have picked a worse week for this to happen to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Plus, the Bucs rush defense below average in success rate and EPA over the second half of the season. So Sean McVay still likes to run the ball, even though he has Matthew Stafford and all those fun weapons on the outside. We've seen them try and do that. With with Sony Michelle the second half of the year Cam Akers came back miraculous I, I need a documentary on how the hell Cam Akers is playing at this point in the season hmm. it's unbelievable I, I just, I, it's absolutely incredible coming off an Achilles uh, but I I just think combine now the protection issues for Brady who is a statue back there and has to get rid of it and so many games this year against the lead opponents you saw him just sitting there in the pocket for sometimes three seconds four seconds like having all day to throw the ball. And also, again, not having Chris Godwin, not having Antonio Brown, this team to me is now a shell of itself from earlier this year in the elite version of the Super Bowl champs that we have come to expect. I don't Mm -hmm. think we're going to see that. You're always a bonehead Matthew Stafford decision or pick six away from this totally (laughs) blowing up on us. But I, I agree with you, Matt. I'm going to wait on Whitworth and his status to decide whether I like you know, if there's still a plus three out there, that'd be great. I think as we record, there's only minus 115 juice plus threes, either that or the plus 125. And I might even sprinkle an extra half unit on a Rams alt line of like minus three and a half plus 200, because I think that there is a pretty decent range of outcomes where the Rams win this game fairly easily. And uh, and
0: just that stat that I Brad that I brought up last week I do I do want to bring up just again um because it it really really does apply in this one. So the Butts the bucks blitz at the second highest rate in the league and that's how they have a lot of success on the defensive side of the ball. And Matthew Stafford had the highest quarterback passer rating against the blitz in the next gen stats era. Wow. This this past season. And he has a higher completion percentage when blitzed than when not. And I think what this shows here is just if you give Stafford too much time, he galaxy brains and maybe like and and, and and does and like tries to do too much and doesn't get things done. But when he has to make quick decisions and he doesn't have all the time in the world to sit back there and try and, you know, do too much or whatever, he actually is really, really accurate and really makes really good decisions against the blitz. And again, unless the Bucks completely change their defensive scheme, they are, again, the second highest blitz rate team in the NFL, then that could actually favor Stafford in this Rams offense as well against this team. So should be some interesting matchups out there in this one. Like I said, I already have the Rams plus three sitting in my account. Marquee game of the week, guys, Bills and the Chiefs. This is uh, two of the teams very high up there in everybody's power rankings all season long. Very high up there in the odds as far as to win the Super Bowl. We get them here, unfortunately, not in the championship game, but we do get them this week and uh, I'm not going to complain as we sit right now. Chiefs are one and a half to two point home favorites over the Bills. Fifty three and a half to fifty four is your total In this one, this has been at two and a half. This has been down to one. It is settled kind of in this one and a half to two. So the money on the bills has come in. And uh, the money on slightly on the over opened at about 53 sitting 50, 54 at the majority of the books out there. So a little bit of over money coming in on this one. Steven, this is the game that I. Don't have a bet in my account on Yet it is the game I am most Excited for this week typically if you Ask me what game are you most excited For it's probably going to be one two Three and four are going to be games that I have bets on And like that's in any given week I actually don't have a bet in the account on this one yet. This is the game that I'm most excited about. Yeah,
2: the smallest edge of all the four games for me, but the get your popcorn ready game, right? Like this is going to be so much fun to watch this rematch. The the one thing I noticed is that if you do want to back Buffalo in this game, to me, I would rather bet their Super Bowl futures before this game. Plus 550 at BetMGM. I think that actually is a case where the futures right now are better value than a rolling parlay. The bills are plus 125 on the money line this week. That might even shorten up even more. So if you're hearing this and that's still there, you know, that's probably the best number that there is. But this is why I like the futures more. If if, Plus 125 this week, probably a five or a six point favor against Tennessee or Cincinnati if they win and even best potential payout scenario as a slight dog against Green Bay in the Super Bowl, which I'm not actually convinced the Bills would be a slight dog in the Super Bowl against Green Bay. I estimated that rolling parlay would pay less than than plus 500. So, plus 550 at BetMGM right now. Plus 500 still a little bit of better value on the futures as well. Christian Cipollini from BetMGM, a trader over there told me Monday that the winner of this game is going to have Super Bowl odds shorter than 2 to 1. And right now they're at at plus 550 for the Bills. So, that I would rather bet the futures for the Bills at this point than take money line in this game and a lot of it is belief in Josh Allen, man. I, I he threw if this was baseball, he threw a perfect game last week and he did it in, in negative yeah. wind chills. It was incredible. Touchdown every drive. The last one hundred and fifty plus passer rating game in a playoff game was Kurt Warner in 2009 with the Cardinals. That fifty one forty five win over the Packers. And he had the luxury of perfect conditions in a dome. And Josh Allen did it in the in the dead of winter. So. I don't have much of an angle or an edge in this game other than that numbers angle with the Bills futures. And I think that their ceiling is is really, really high, as high as Patrick Mahomes with Josh Allen in this offense. And I'm just hoping that the Bills defense, which is obviously better than the Chiefs, can hold up against Patrick Mahomes. That's how I see it.
0: Brad, going to be an interesting matchup in this one as well. Tyreek Hill versus kind of the Bills' corners. We know Tredavious White is out. Teron Johnson has actually stepped up really well um, and, and since they moved him over into the slot and one of the things the Chiefs like to do is move Tyreek Hill into the slot and then that kind of hides him and then he actually has scored seven touchdowns from the slot this season but Teron Johnson was actually pro football Focused fourth best slot corner over the course of the season so one of the things that, that, the, that the Chiefs really like to do in trying to kind of hide Tyreek Hill put him in the slot, like don't make it so obvious what he's going to do is also one of the on the bill's defense is 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 johnson and his his skill at the uh, at, at, uh covering the slot receiver so it, that's also fairly interesting in this one if you look at this chief's defense much maligned at the beginning of the year uh, certainly got better after the melvin ingram trade but certain uh, but uh, but again not like a good defense in my opinion. I think it's like a more of a, a above league average defense now, in my opinion, but I still don't think it's a good defense by any stretch. Um, I, I'm really, really interested in, in this matchup, but I couldn't find an edge here. I couldn't find
1: a position that I wanted to take. Were, were you able to get there? I was not able to yeah. get there. Um, I think I, I would, if, if forced, I would probably go the chiefs. Um, mm-hmm for a couple of reasons. One is just, I don't think you can be buying any higher on Buffalo, obviously after Correct. what they did last week, in a game where a lot of little things broke their way. Obviously, I think the weather that usually favours the home team. Um, obviously, Matt Jones couldn't really throw it. He's used out there wearing a wetsuit and not completing any passes. <laughs> Looking at his own breath on the sideline. Mm. Um, you know, the first touchdown, Josh is trying to throw it away and like Dawson not just goes up and grabs it. Mika Hyde makes that insane... Um, interception. So there was like every, everything, every little thing went perfect. Um, and Rob Pizzola did a little study he was talking about this week where he looked at when Josh Allen went supernova and he looked at the games after that and he basically just went back to the baseline. No, it wasn't predictive.
0: It, so, and speaking of baseline there, Brad, I, 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 do you think though, it's talking about the buying high, right? So, would we say that the ceiling of both of these two teams is probably about equal, but then the floor is just much lower for
1: the Bills than the Chiefs? Would, would you think that that's a fair statement? Yeah, I, I would say so, because I think Josh Allen has, he's got that game in him where he throws just two boneheaded picks mm-hmm. and it doesn't go well for him. Whereas, you know, you very rarely see that out of Pat Mahomes. You've seen that like three games in his mm-hmm. career, probably. So yeah, I think that is fair. Um, so there's that. The other side of the ball... I'm not convinced this Bill's defence is the best defence in the league, as football outsiders would have you believe. Um, since since they lost Trey White, they've, they've basically faced one good passing offence, which was the Bucks, and Tom Brady went bananas. So I think, I think they probably do get exposed here. Um, I, I do think the Chiefs score their points and then that that does leave Josh Allen in comeback mode. Now, Brandon Thorne, he, he, he breaks down um, defensive-offensive line matchups for Establish the Run. He had this as a mismatch. He had the Chiefs DL um, having a big edge over the Bills' offensive line, particularly Chris Jones on the interior against the guard and the center, and so they're probably going to double team Chris Jones, which leaves Spencer Brown, the rookie right tackle, one and one, probably with Mel- Melvin Ingram. And um, again, Brandon Thorne, he, he likes that matchup for the Chiefs. So it's not, it's not quite. If it goes off Pickham, maybe I'll jump in. Maybe I'll have a little bit of Casey first half. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's, I think it's, it, I think it is a well line game, but I would lean Chiefs.
0: What do we think, um, just real quick on the way out on this one, what do we think about the total here? I mean, 54, I'm... I listen, I understand two good offenses two whatever, but I mean, listen, it's not like we haven't seen the chiefs sputter before. I mean, look, they didn't get it going last week against the Steelers until, uh, until, you know, a quarter and a half in, right. I mean, like they were, they were getting shut down by the Steelers defense, who, by the way, was a, was a bottom half defense this year. I think we have this mindset that the Steelers defense is good, but this year it was not, it was a bottom half defense over the course of the season. Um, And then like you said, Brad, I mean, what if we get average Josh Allen or average bills as opposed to elite bills here? I I, I mean, I know people seem to be betting the over in this one, and I know that's going to be a trend regardless because people like to bet overs. But I mean, I think if this thing gets to 55, I'm coming in on the under. I I just think that that is too many points here for one like i said a, a chief's offense we have seen sputter at times and a bill's offense that we know for sure can go out there and, and lay a complete egg if josh allen isn't playing you know his his like level nine out of ten game
1: yes give me your brad yeah i i i <laughs> i'll jump in i'll jump in um I'll probably lean to the over because, as I say, I don't think I don't rate the Bills' defense. I don't I don't think they're really slowing down Patrick Mahomes. I mean, yeah, they started off slowly last week, and then they scored five touchdowns in literally ten minutes. So they can go they can go nuts at literally any point. Um, and I would say, who who, who on the Chiefs is, is good enough to defend Josh Allen? Like, I, you know, that one of their linebackers was getting arrested this week. Um, I, I don't see that they have an, like an athlete, a linebacker or safety that can that can take on Josh Allen one-on-one one one in the open field. And then, so if you if you start manning up everyone on the outside, you know, that's how the Bengals beat the Chiefs because, you know, chuck up a go ball to Stefan Diggs or Isaiah McKenzie, like Bills can beat man coverage as well, which is what the Chiefs play. So I, I would probably, if it goes 53 and a half, I think that's probably a take on the over for me personally.
2: I, I would only go over here, Matt. Uh, I'd be terrified to take the under, to be quite honest. I just think this Bills offense has become... More well-rounded as the season has gone on. I think Beasley missing a couple of games has been a revelation for them to have Isaiah McKenzie come out there. I think if if Isaiah McKenzie comes back next year and Gabe Davis gets full-time snaps instead of the corpse of Emmanuel Sanders, like that is a really exciting offense. And Gabe Davis is a huge red zone threat for them. Isaiah McKenzie is like a three times better version than what Cole Beasley is at this point. Devin Singletary has emerged as well. He has been really strong towards the second half of this or last month of the season here. So, And the Chiefs defense has been 30th in rush D success rate since uh, week 8 and 31st since their bye week. Buffalo quietly top 10 in rush offense DVOA. So I think the Bills offense can do literally whatever it wants in this game. The only question is, can they outscore the Chiefs if... Brad, like he says, the Bills defense is potentially overrated playing a soft schedule this year. I think it's a shootout. I do. Yeah.
0: I have a pretty strong lean to the Chiefs. It's not in my account yet. Look, look, it's Mahomes at home. It's it's it's, it's I think the Bills need to play perfect in order to win. And like, and I think that their their perfect game is probably better than the Chiefs' perfect game, but Again, they got to play perfect. And I don't think that you can play perfect all that often. And and they did that last week. I mean, minus 125 on the money line just to erase any sort of fluky, weird point and a half spread. I'd probably just play the money line at at minus 125 as opposed to to bring that point and a half into play um, and just uh, and just get in on them at a price like that. So could end up in my account. Like that before it's all said and done here, uh, for for the Chiefs guys. I am super excited about this week. Of course, um, look, bets on three of the four games were, uh, and then the the fourth game is the one that I'm most excited about. The one that I don't have a bet on quite yet. So I, I can't wait to get this one one done, and I can't wait to get back in here and us talk about these championship games as well. Uh, next week so good luck on all the bets this week everybody out there for Brad for Steven I'm Matt talk to you guys next week Bet basketball, baseball, or hockey with a risk free bet up to $600 at BetMGM. Sign up and use bonus code THELINES, and you're on your way with the king of sports books. Get the BetMGM app today and use promo code THELINES to make a risk free bet up to $600. This is a new customer offer. Paid in free bets. Visit betmgm.com for terms and conditions. 21 years or older to wager. Colorado, Indiana, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Nevada, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, or West Virginia only. Excludes Michigan disassociated persons. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem. Call 1 800